In the Garden with Keynes Garden Centre Kilcolgan for all your vegetable and fruit gardening needs. See keensgardencentre.ie because that sound indicates that we're joined by the man himself, Mr. Tom Stewart from Keynes Garden Centre. Tom, how are things? Very good, Alan. Very good morning to you. Uh, thanks very much for joining us. And as ever, uh, I mentioned things to give away. We've two thirty-euro vouchers for Keynes Garden Centre uh, for uh, two of you lucky listeners. Just get in touch with your gardening question, your gardening query. Lots of them coming in already. 086-1800-964 with your name and location. Before we get to the questions, though, this week's topic, Tom, homegrown tomatoes. You're going to give the listeners an easy guide and the best varieties to grow. Yeah, certainly. And thank you, Alan. So March, as we see, March is the month when all the gardening activity really starts ramping up or hotting up, despite the chilly start promised this week. And despite the cold temperatures, lots more plants, they start to emerge from their winter sleep and lots of flowers start to appear and seeds and bulbs can be planted. And garden centres will have lots of different plants to choose from, anything from colourful bedding plants, great range of veg plants and, and herbs, some herbaceous perennials, flowering shrubs, trees and roses. And an excellent project I think to take on is growing your own tomatoes. So this is a it's a very rewarding and satisfying undertaking. Anyone who has enjoyed eating tomatoes straight off the vine will know the sweet, delicious homegrown flavour and that distinctive tomato smell from, from growing your own. So growing your own tomatoes, it's relatively easy, doesn't necessarily require a greenhouse and it's really, really satisfying to do. Plus, they have even more health benefits than the commercially grown um, varieties that you get in the shop and it's said to be one of the reasons the Mediterranean diet is so healthy. So for taste and flavour, the shop-bought tomatoes are not a patch on what you'll grow yourself and there's a great buzz watching the small little yellow flowers develop into the fruit. So some of the main types and shapes include the standard or medium-sized uh, tomatoes. You get beefsteak, which is the large-sized tomatoes. You get plum and cherry tomatoes, the smaller sizes. And then there's two growth habits. So there's indeterminate or cordon and determinate or bush varieties. So the indeterminate uh, types, probably the most popular and most common ones, they grow up on a central stem and we'd all know those growing up on a central stem and they continue to grow upwards. And we usually stop them uh, by pinching the top when they reach about six foot tall. So this tells the, the plant to stop growing and to stop producing more flowers and putting energy into, into ripening the tomatoes that are already on the plant usually when there's maybe six or seven trusses or six or seven bunches of tomatoes or less, perhaps three or four trusses if you're growing outside in cooler locations. Uh, these indeterminate varieties also produce what's known as side shoots. So that's between the main stem and a branch. And we need to pinch that out so that all the plant's energy is put into the fruit produced from the main stem rather than putting energy into those side shoot, shoots which aren't, which aren't productive. So these types will also need a support, something like a stake, like a bamboo cane is, is ideal and probably the most popular one to support them. The indeterminate or the bush varieties, they don't need staking or they don't need pinching out uh, of any of the side shoots. And these types are suitable for growing in containers or even in hanging baskets. Uh, the they don't grow from a central stem and are low growing with a spreading habit. Um, so useful if you don't have lots of space and usually tend to be the cherry type or the smaller types of tomatoes. So you can grow your tomatoes from seed or from plants. So the seed being the more cost effective way, you can sow the seeds in March or April inside. They need a temperature around 15 to 20 degrees. And when they're ready to plant out, the weather will have warmed up enough to plant them outside. Uh, you can sow them in some small little pots or those little seed modules using some damp seed compost. Lightly sprinkle a small amount of seeds on the top of the compost and cover with a small amount of compost or a little uh, shaking of vermiculite, not covering them too deeply. 
uh, or you can sow one seed at a time into cells if you're using the seed modules. You get, yeah, give them a light watering with a fine rose on the watering can and position the pots in a nice warm sunny spot um, inside. The seedlings should appear in one or two weeks time. Um, if positioned on a windowsill, be mindful that uh, a severe drop in nighttime temperatures could harm germination or even kill small little plants. So on cold nights, move away from the windowsill just to protect them from the cold. Um, also, seedlings growing on a windowsill will naturally bend towards the light. So maybe give your pot a turn of 180 degrees every couple of days, just so it's not leaning all in one direction. And then about four weeks after sowing, your seeds, uh, they'll, they'll will be uh, ready to pot it on into slightly larger pots if you've sowed them in cell trays. Uh, at this stage, your seedlings will be around four inches tall and the roots will have stretched to the bottom of their first pot. So you can carefully remove your plants from their current pots and position them in the middle of larger pots. Uh, fill around with a good multi-purpose compost and, and you'll be good to go. So tomatoes, as a lot of people will be aware, they're hungry plants. And along with frequent watering, your growing plant will start wanting a regular feed of tomato food from a few weeks after potting on. So there's plenty of different types of tomato food, but Nutri One Feed is an excellent uh, uh, type or um brand of tomato food for growing tomatoes, a particularly good one that we use ourselves. Uh, tomatoes grow best in a sunny position, probably best inside in a polytunnel or glass house, or perhaps maybe in a sunroom inside. They can be grown outside uh, in a nice sunny sheltered spot. So you can gradually harden them off uh, and bring them outside once the risk of frost has passed around the middle of May or in around that time anyway. The smaller or cherry tomatoes are best uh, for this as the smaller ones will ripen easier. Uh, you can grow them in containers or in grow bags, hanging baskets or directly into the ground. So the grow bags have the advantage of coming ready filled with a specially formulated compost. You can plant two or three plants in each grow bag. Uh, it's important that you pierce the sides or the bottom of the grow bag to ensure proper drainage. And you want all that excess water to be able to escape. You can also use the compost from a grow bag to fill your containers and plant into the containers or uh, a good multi-purpose compost. Uh, with containers and grow bags, make sure they don't you don't allow them to dry out. That's the main thing of, of concern there. As the plants grow taller and thicker, uh, the stems, it's, it's essential that they get support. So something, as we like we said earlier, a bamboo cane is ideal. And you gently, loosely tie them on with a soft tying material or some natural twine. So you don't want to tie too tightly uh, so as not to damage the stems. Uh, keep an eye out for those side shoots, gently twisting them off. Or if some have gone unnoticed, just snap them off. So that's between the branch and the stem, a little bit in between there. You want to watch out for those guys. Uh, if you're not sure, call into the garden centre. We'll show you how it's done or we'll show you where to look out for these ones. Uh, then as your tomato plants grow, it can also be beneficial to remove some of the lower, uh, the older foliage, particularly lower down on the plant, so that the fruits can benefit from the warmth of direct sunlight and it'll also help them ripen them further. Uh, tomato plants, as we said, are hungry and thirsty. So water thoroughly daily, especially once you get to a decent size, maybe even twice daily during very dry spells and feed weekly with a dedicated tomato food. Soon enough, small sets of flowers appear. These gradually develop into panicles of tomatoes that progress to their final colour and size. In many cases, you'll get a lovely glorious bright red, but there's also golden yellow or whatever variety you've chosen will, will determine the colour, usually ready for picking from June onwards, somewhat weather depending. A few varieties uh, that are very good to go and very popular. You've got the likes of Gardener's Delight. That's a nice cherry variety. It's also good for outdoor growing <clears throat> and it's got a high yield. 
Moneymaker, that's a, a quite an old favourite, medium size, good indoors or outdoors, nice uniform fruits and, and good for salads. You've got Shirley. Shirley's good for greenhouse growing, nice trouble-free variety. Roma is a nice tasty plum variety, good for cooking with, high in vitamin C and antioxidants. So Roma is a nice one. Sun Gold, these are the small cherry type tomatoes. They usually have an orange color and high sugar content. Really, really good for flavor. And then Red Profusion is one of my own favorite varieties. So Red Profusion is a bush type. So you can grow it in containers and hanging baskets and really good for flavor. So there's a few uh, different varieties of tomatoes. As I said, easy to go uh, or easy to grow and very rewarding. Okay, lovely stuff. Uh, before we get to the many listeners' questions which are coming in, and I'll get through as many as I can this morning, I have a few jobs for the Clare Gardeners for the week ahead, Tom. Yeah, certainly. So lots of people at the weekend were asking about um, uh, moss on a lawn. So there's plenty of liquid uh, treatments that you can use. So zero liquid is one of them. You can apply that on your lawn to help control moss. It's quite a good one. You can also plant up summer flowering bulbs in pots, the likes of dahlias, lilies and begonias all great for long-lasting summer colour. Nice cost-effective and an easy easy plants to grow from, from bulbs. Uh, the cold weather is promised for a few days this week, so make sure you keep an eye on those bird feeders. Keep them all topped up. The likes of the high-energy fat balls, seed, nut mixes, uh, they'll all be well appreciated. You can certainly feed your fruit trees and fruit bushes, giving them a sprinkling of sulphate of potash or Osmo Pro Bloom fertiliser around the base to help encourage fruiting. You can also plant strawberries into a hanging basket. This is a nice way to do it and it keeps the fruits away from slugs and any other pests that, that might be at ground level. Um, and if you're ericaceous shrubs like azaleas and camellias, give them a, an ericaceous feed around this time of the year. We mentioned roses last week, so roses can be cut back and then give them a good tidy up around the base and then a handful of, of fertiliser or mulch with some manure around the base of the roses. Sweet peas, they can be sown in nice deep pots and keep them in a frost-free area or in a greenhouse or in a sunny windowsill. Sweet peas, nice, easy plant to grow, but a nice rewarding one. And if you have seed potatoes or if you're thinking of seed potatoes, they can be chitted or sprouted at this time of the year. Uh, you want to do that in the light, frost-free conditions. It'll give you an earlier harvest and sometimes a bigger yield. You can line them up on, on, a, on a seed tray or an old egg carton to help keep them in position. There's a few jobs to keep us all occupied. Okay, perfect stuff. Lots of jobs for you folks. And uh, let's get to the listeners' questions. And the first question today comes from Siobhan and Ennis. It says, Hi Alan, can you ask, Tom, is it too early to apply a feed and weed product to the lawn? I have a small lawn with lots of moss. Hey, good morning, Siobhan. So, um, the, the, the feed and weed products tend to be a granulated product and they usually need a soil temperature a little bit higher than what we have now. But I'd say in another week or two, Siobhan, you could apply some of that granulated feed, weed and moss killer products onto your lawn. Um, if you if moss was an issue, you could tackle it straight away with some of the liquid products like Zero or Lawn Gold are both liquid formulations that you dilute and either apply with a watering can or a sprayer. They work pretty much overnight you'll see results really quickly and it'll tackle the moss now all they're designed to do is, is tackle moss they don't feed your lawn but if moss was particularly bad on your on your lawn Siobhan you could apply the zero we'd say this week and then maybe in a couple of weeks time follow it up with your feed weed and moss killer product and that'll really have your lawn looking green and lush and healthy Okay, Anne McLaughlin uh, says that she sows early potatoes and every year small holes appear in them and get worse as the year goes on when a snail or slug appears inside the potato. Any advice would be very welcome. Uh, good morning, Anne. So sometimes, and it usually tends to be more prevalent on, on newly planted ground or virgin ground, uh, but one 
um, tip you might try if you try and keep um, a border or perimeter area around where you're growing the spuds if you try and keep a grass free area around the um, area where you're growing your spuds that might reduce the incident of kind of wireworm and some of those other uh, soil borne pests usually as I said it tends to get less as, t- as time goes on but I know you've said there and that it's happened to you year after year but definitely um would say having that grass-free area around uh, can help to a certain degree for uh, incidents of wireworm and perhaps maybe um, maybe trying a few different varieties that you haven't gone from before. Maybe some of the varieties you've t- tried already are slightly more prone to it than others, but um, certainly worth going on. And I say don't, don't give up whatever you do, stick at, stick at it. Okay, a next question comes from friend of the show, Kay, who says, Good morning, Tom and Alan. Good morning, GK. Kay is wondering, Tom, whether it's too early to sow onion sets and cabbage plants in the polytunnel. She's wondering, Tom, do you stock cabbage plants in your centre? I wonder, did you ask, ask her to say that? And she says she hopes to get down to see you soon, weather permitting. Uh, brilliant and this week's show is sponsored by Kay no um, Kay thank you and good morning to you um, no any of those stuff you could start to plant them in polytunnels and and yes to your answer we would have a full range of vegetable plants we have cabbage plants and broccoli cauliflower Brussels sprouts all the salads lettuces tomatoes carrots loads loads to choose from Kay so certainly in a polytunnel you can get them in now and if you have a bit of groundwork prepared or maybe have the ground ready for them but yeah we have plenty K and, and loads to choose from but in your polytunnel yeah no problem if the weather got really really cold you could throw a bit of fleets over them just to keep them a little bit insulated but generally speaking in a polytunnel from now on no problem Siobhan and Ennis had mentioned she had a lawn with lots of moss on it Mary McInerney says uh, that she has a lot of moss growing in her lawn and what is the best method of getting rid of it and also what causes it yeah, so Mary, uh, good morning. So the main contribution to moss is air climate, particularly in the west of Ireland. It's mild and damp, particularly over the winter, mild, damp weather and moss just just flourishes. Now, there's a few other um, factors worth considering. Poor drainage will lead to um, moss buildup and, and very shaded areas will lead to moss buildup. But predominantly it's our climate, it's mild and wet. Now, if you improve the drainage in your lawn, that'll certainly help. And if you can, if there is any shading that you can you can alleviate, that will also help. Uh, moss doesn't like a lawn that's been fed. So regular feeding of your lawn, maybe three or four times a year, will certainly help as well, Mary. Um, not cutting your grass too low. So as a rule of thumb, you shouldn't cut more than one third off your blade of grass. So definitely keep the blades of your lawn more raised up high, if you cut it too low, it nearly encourages moss. Um, so definitely having the blades raised up a little bit, regular feeding. The products I mentioned earlier, like Lawn Gold and Zero, are two liquid products that you could apply straight away. They're not depending on a soil temperature. So you can apply those liquid products throughout the year, uh, even in winter. And then when it comes next spring, the, the issue shouldn't be as bad. But typically a lot of us would um, put on lots of products in, in March and April on the lawn, leave it for 11 months and then allow the moss to build up so when we come back 10 or 11 months later and go oh all this is back but really regular treatment throughout the year will tack, uh, will um, will help tackle the moss a few other things like uh, scarifying it and aerating it will also help but definitely the likes of the liquid products and then maybe follow it up with a feed weed and moss killer will uh, will have your lawn in good air in, in good order Mary Adrian and Crosheen says he has a large patch on the front of his house which rarely gets the sun. He'd like to put in large shrubs but wouldn't know what to put in. He's wondering, can you help? Certainly, Adrian. So there's plenty of of shrubs that are adapted and and well suited to shaded areas. Um, Off the top of my head, you've got like the um, spotted laurel, uh, Akuba japonica is a lovely um, evergreen shrub. 
fills out nicely, maybe about six foot uh, height. And me, even a little bit more, you can keep it trimmed if you want to. But um, the spotted laurel is a good one. You've got the uh, sarcococco, which is a lovely winter flowering um, shrub. It'll do in nearly full shade. Uh, it's really, really good. And then the likes of hostas and astilbes and a few other plants like that. But certainly calling into ourselves or your local garden centre and asking to see a selection of plants that are suited for shaded areas. Um, there's certainly just plenty to choose from. Okay, and uh, last question then comes courtesy of Anna Milltown who says that she has a fig tree for five years, still no figs. She has it in the tunnel. She's wondering, can she put it outside? Good morning, Anne. So, yeah, figs, if you're going to put it outside, maybe if you if you have a like a south-facing aspect on or a sunny, uh, sheltered wall, um, it, it would do quite well. The roots do like to be kept somewhat restricted. So some people, when they plant it in the ground, they plant or they, they position rocks and stuff around the roots to kind of restrict the root movement or by keeping them in a pot. But certainly it want a bit of a sun trap. So a sunny sheltered spot, um, it might do a bit better and definitely trying to um, confine the roots to a small degree and might help. And um, just keep an eye on the watering, especially if, if you do outside against a sunny wall, sometimes the wall acts as a rain shadow. So just be mindful that it doesn't dry out. But um, well worth growing on. And, and yeah, so I'd best of luck with that one. OK, more questions still to get to, but unfortunately I'm out of time this week. Uh, congratulations to Mary McInerney and Anne McLaughlin. You have each won yourself a 30-year voucher for Keynes Garden Centre. Uh, Tom Stewart, as ever, well played. And uh, we look forward to chatting to you again next Monday. Thanks for joining us, Tom. You're very welcome. My pleasure as always. Thanks, Alan. Take All care. the best. The man, the legend, that is uh, Tom Stewart there. If you ever